Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking with Jessica Biel about her role in The Sinner. Stay tuned. Jessica Biel, congratulations on your Emmy nomination for your work in The Sinner. Thank you for stopping by and talking to us about the project. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so many elements went into making this this incredible eight-part miniseries. It is a true thriller that unfolds. The, the way it was constructed is really it's just riveting the way you come to meet this woman, Cora, who on the surface looks like a fairly typical wife and mother, and we learn that she's anything but within, the, within a few minutes of that first episode. Can you tell me about, and I know that your company was um, was integral, you, you made this happen, you put the book together, you assembled the project and sold it. Tell me what was the impetus for you to do all of this work behind the scenes before you ever shot a frame of footage? The impetus for that was simply the desire um, uh, to, to find material that, you know, is really compelling. And that is something that I am, you know, would never be would never be thought of for maybe, perhaps um, uh, a particular role like this. And this gave me the opportunity to really take control of the material, and set it up in a way that we felt really strong, strongly about all the key elements: the writer, creator, pitching it around town, our pilot. Um, the character arc, where she goes, the casting process, uh, choosing the directors, you know, all of it was, um, you know, it really allowed myself and my partner, my company, to have a, a very big, like a fingerprint on, on all of that. And it really was for, you know, for me to find something amazing for myself and also to create amazing roles and tell amazing stories for women. That's what my company does, and that's what we want to continue to do. So I guess it was a, sort of a selfish thing, you know, initially, but I read this book, and it was given to us by our amazing partners at UCP, Universal Cable Productions, and after I, I you know, closed that book, I just said, I, I have to do this. I don't care what it takes. I don't care who wants this thing. This thing is mine, and I'm going to hang on to it. So um, that you know, that's that was the impetus, really, is you know, to find amazing, amazing stories to tell. It sounds like you were really not intrigued or not satisfied with the offers that were coming your way at the time. Like you had to create your own vehicle. 
yes, and I think I think that that's really an important element now in our enter- in the entertainment business um, to take control of your own career in that way. I really think that that is part of it now. It, it, it sort of used to feel that you would sit back and you would wait for someone to give you a call and maybe you'd get an audition and maybe you'd get a call back or maybe you'd get an offer, maybe. You know, that was sort of, I mean, in my experience, a bit rare. Um, but it's not that way anymore. It really feels to me that the business has evolved in such a way that you have to go after what you want and what you're looking for. And yes, there's so much more content on television and so many more content providers that are telling amazing stories and are telling bold, interesting, compelling things with women at the helm, you know, per se. But still, you can't just sit back and hope that something's going to fall in your lap. You have to attack it. That's the way it feels to me. And it actually has given me a, a huge sense of confidence and a huge sense of um, I think sort of, uh, I guess like a person, a, a different kind of perseverance, uh, and drive. It's, it's, um, I think my, my app, the appetite I have for finding stuff for material is so much greater than it ever was. And it's because we really went after something and we put the work in and made it happen. Did you, when you were assembling it, and when you were when you were shopping the project, um, did you did you feel at any kind of snobbery, or did you feel at all that people weren't taking you seriously as a producer because you're so well known as an actress? Was that was that an issue? Was that a hurdle that you felt you had to overcome? Um, that's a good question. I don't really feel that I felt that really tangibly. Maybe people were thinking that. <laughs> I don't know. But I I think we just were so excited. I was so excited to walk into these rooms, into HBO and Netflix and every place you can imagine we pitched this show and sit down and just say, listen, this is what it is. We're behind it. I know what we can do with it. I know what I'm going to do with it. And I trust myself more than I trust anybody else. I know I'm going to deliver this. I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be great. But I know that I can count on myself. And I didn't even consider, honestly, I didn't even consider the fact that somebody may be looking at me going, well, this girl doesn't know what she's doing. She's never done this before. I think I felt really confident with our partners at UCP, knowing that they know what they're doing, they know how to do this kind of thing, and we're joining forces with them so we can learn. And a lot of this experience, the assembly process, the whole production, the post, it's all been a massive learning experience. I can't say that I'm necessarily, I wouldn't say I'm a great producer yet. I think I'm a really good creative producer, but on some other sides, the other side of producing in terms of the budget and the schedule and all of the more technical things, I'm not that great at yet. So I still have a lot to figure out. And, you know, you've practically grown up on sets and in front of the camera. You were a teenager when you, when you were one of the stars of Seventh Heaven, the WB Network show. What, how was it for you? It, it sounds like it was a real learning curve for you to have the sort of tables turned and for you to be an instigator on the other side rather than somebody cast into a project. Yes, I mean it's an it's an empowering experience. You know, it it just it, it feels as if 
you know, you feel like you have a voice and you feel that that voice is being heard and your creative team and your partners care what you have to say because you probably know this character better than anybody now because you've been living with it, you've lived with the book, you've worked with the writers, and now it's coming alive in a way that, you know, I have insight that nobody else does. And that's an amazing feeling. That's great. Well, your timing is your timing is very apt because this is kind of a moment when we're seeing not just women, but persons of color, people that hadn't necessarily been pulling those strings mm-hmm. now are really getting an opening and it's it's you know, it's a pretty exciting time in television. It is. Okay, now tell me about preparing yourself to play Cora. I mean, this is a woman who has trauma upon trauma upon trauma. A lot of it is pushed down. She doesn't remember. I can just the emotional preparation for some of those scenes. Some of those scenes are are just so jarring on an on an emotional. You, you're trying to put yourself in the head of that character, and it's just amazing. What did you do to get yourself there? This is always a really interesting question because it's hard to verbalize sometimes, you know, when you're, you know, how the preparation happened and how you actually got to that headspace on that day in that moment. Um, But sort of technically speaking, I did a lot of research about PTSD and about uh, people who are riddled with, you know, anxiety attacks and people whose memories have gone in, in these you know, with these big holes in their memories, which is totally true, actually happens, and sometimes will some trigger will just make it come rushing back. I didn't even know if that was real at first, but it, it absolutely is, and it happens. So I did a lot of research about that, watched a lot of things, watched people actually suffering from PTSD, trigger moments, anxiety attacks, panic attacks, all of that stuff. And then really focused on where where my life, my personal life, my personal traumas, my personal past, where it parallels with Cora's. And what's the touch points? Because clearly we haven't had the same experience. Thank God not. I yes. didn't do anything like this woman has done. Thank God. Or even experience. Or even experience the abuse that she has experienced. And my job is to find where my life touches where I, you know, the little ping where I go, oh, that's where I feel her. That's where I have the compassion for her and where I sympathize with her and where I understand somehow cellularly, energetically, what this must be like for her. So that's the process. After sort of the technical research, reading, watching, then it's finding the parallel of my life and her life. And then... I think it's on the day, it's knowing your lines so well that everything disappears and you kind of you kind of go into a out-of-body experience in those really emotional scenes where after the fact, when someone says, okay, print, we got that close-up or whatever, you sort of snap out of it and go, well, what, what happened? You know, I, I, I wasn't even fully there. I'm like, wasn't even fully in my body. That's what I'm looking for as an actor. And I, I feel like I'm, I tapped into a lot of that. And I think that was probably exercising my own demons and catharsis from my own past stuff and my own past, you know, personal traumas and things. 
this sounds like a true emotional journey for you, the process of filming this and, and as you say, connecting it to your own life. That alone must have been summoned, you know, feelings and must have been, was it hard for you to, to shake it off when you left the set and went home? You know, it wasn't hard because it was, it was so intense that it, it was a relief. At the end of the day, I had no problems shaking that off. I was so happy to go home to a simple... It was very simple at home, you right. know? There was not this complex, complicated psychological mind thing happening. It was my son needed to be fed and change his pajamas and go to the park. You know, it's like very simple things, which kind of changed my perspective about those things used to feel really hard. And <laughs> right. now they're like, oh, what a breath of fresh air. That's the joy. That's yeah. the joy of it, right? Oh, my gosh, that's great. Um, and the storytelling style of the piece was really, it, you, you had to, you know, you had to pay attention and really follow the various characters and what was going on and because and, it was revealed bit by bit that it was very little that was, you know, linear in that. Can you talk about that as a storytelling style? I know some of it was taken from, it was based on a novel, mm -hmm. a German novel, but of course, you had to be adapted for the screen. Can you talk about the decisions that were made to tell the story in the way that it was? Yes. So we spoke a lot about how to handle the past and the present. And is it linear? Is it not linear? And like you, like you mentioned, it's not. It's not linear. And a lot of that stylistic, a lot of those stylistic choices were obviously decided by Derek uh, Simons, our writer-creator, who wrote them in that fashion. And we, you know, we just did a lot of passes and finding, well, what is the most provocative, evocative, compelling way to show that flashback? Where does it land? And it moved, they move around a lot in our preparation. And also, even in post, you know, we would shoot it the way mm. that we wrote it, look at it, and sometimes take it out, take a flashback out. It's not even necessary. Move it move it up in the episode, move it back in the episode, you know, trying to find the good balance of past and present that isn't too confusing. Um, also, stylistically, in terms of atmospheric elements, the language of the show, the look of the show, that was so very much, I think, uh, from the minds of Antonio Campos, who uh, did our, uh, directed our first three episodes, and also Radium Chung, who's our amazing DP on first season and second season. And um, those two, along with Derek and every, you know, the, the creative team, they created the look and that kind of, you know, foreboding feeling and that kind of blasted out color and then really stark in the prison sequences and the interrogation sequences. You could really tell when you were seeing things through Cora's eyes because it looked very, um, as you say, stark, but also in a way hazy. Right, and almost surreal, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. She's really going through life, you know, almost like with Vaseline in her eyes, right? Kind of trying to rub the cobwebs out, but also not wanting to touch the cobwebs, knowing that they're there for a reason and terrified. And that was really important to, to keep her perspective and really let the audience um, go with her. And that's another stylistic choice, always never being too far ahead of her, that the audience is her, is, is her that we are with her. Right. So, for example, that... I don't even remember what episode that was, episode six, where we finally pull that wallpaper 
that no one is ahead of the game, right? We're all experiencing that it's, moment. It's like a sinking feeling. You go, oh, my God, and then you look to her reaction. That's right, and everyone's there at the same place. And we had to work that a little bit in post because initially, initially uh, maybe Ambrose kind of knew something was going to be there, and then we had to take it out because we, f- we felt that it was way more um, compelling to have everybody be watching this at the same time. And then episode seven, start with the flashback, the whole flashback. So she's then recounting the story because it's all coming back. So we worked a lot with perspective and you know, not getting ahead of her and not getting the audience ahead of anybody. Was it hard to make a tough choice at the end to, you know, obviously there's very nothing about this story lends itself to a happy ending. Right. She does obviously Cora does get a reprieve, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. of sorts, but it does end with um a certain amount of uncertainty about what's going to happen. Was that a tough choice as a storyteller to did you want to to wrap it up neatly but realizing that that wouldn't make for the most compelling ending? You know, we never wanted to wrap it up neatly. That is so much the language of this show that nothing is neat. Nothing gets tied up ever. Life is not a pretty little bow. You know, there's so many there's so many flaw, flawed things and failed things that that happen, but that you know, that that fail is actually one of the best possible outcomes, right? right. So you're looking at success and failure in kind of a different light. There were some creative conversations from the studio and the network about the ending, and the creative team fought really hard to say that, you know, it's it's really important to leave it like this and then leave uh, Bill's character, Ambrose, in it back in his car, you know, touching his fingers, seeing his his manifested pain, his manifested trauma that we don't know about, his psychological stuff, like what is it, why does he respond to intimacy that way why does that why does suffering make him feel good and we left it like that on purpose so in case we were lucky enough to have a season two now we're going to peel him right right carrie coon is off to a running start a terrific actress and a whole new storyline and and mystery for ambrose to solve um how do you how is it for you this time around to be a purely a producer on on this and not being in front of the camera is that is that that must be a very new experience for you it's a very new experience, and it's weird. <laughs> it's just, honestly, it's strange. It was very strange at the beginning of the season um, because I want to be in there with everybody. You know, I want to, I want to like, blood, sweat, and tears with all the cast and the crew, and, you know, you forget how hard those hours are, and you forget the, how incredibly emotional everything is. So in one, one respect... I missed it. <laughs> and then the other respect, I was so relieved that I wasn't doing that every day. It was so intense. And also it's nice. It's nice to pass the baton, you know, and, and have created with the team a really, a really interesting, bold and vulnerable female character for Carrie to, you know, take the torch and go. And the other young women in our show, um, it's always a little bit hard, I think, especially because this is my, it feels like my baby. And I right. think a lot of our team feel that way. Right. Um, but that's part of the learning process of being a producer is, you know, we've hired people who know what they're doing and who do it better than us. So step back, 
let go of the control and let them do it. Yeah, that's good advice from good producers <laughs> I've, I've spoken to over the years. Do you think, will we ever see Cora again? Is there a potential? I think there's always a potential. I mean, we talked about it so long and we kind of exhausted all options. Could she be in season two? Would it make sense? What could it? What could the storylines be? Would it work? And honestly, it felt as if we were, if she would, if she was in the show, that we would be jeopardizing the integrity of the show. It would be a different thing, you know. Or it would maybe it would have been a little cheesy or something. And definitely, se second season, this was the right choice. Will she ever be back again? I don't know. I mean, I always keep. I always like to keep the door cracked. You never know, right? Right. It doesn't seem likely, though. Um, and I think, I think that's. I'm proud of us for making that decision and not getting all just. Oh, everybody loved it, and oh, let's just throw her back in there. You know, that would have been easy, and it would have been fun, but it just it it, it wasn't right. She wasn't going to move to Vermont and open a B and B. Right. <laughs> exactly. Tell me, uh, tell me, what else are you working on? Uh, any any producing projects? Any acting projects on the horizon for you? Well, I'm constantly developing a bunch of things with my company. You know, we're always looking for new material. We have a few television ideas that I don't think I can really speak about yet, but exciting stuff, stuff for me to star, and also things that I can just produce. Um, a, uh, did a couple of interesting auditions recently, so that element is still kind of part of part of it all, and I think it will always be, you know, part of part of our experience as actors, always trying to do these auditions, which are so strange. Um, but yeah, we're developing a lot of things, and it's fun and it's exciting, and like I said before, it's just it's an empowering thing to just know that I'm not sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. I'm out there digging around looking for stuff, meeting with people, and, you know, making it happen in my own way, even if it takes a long time. That's great. More power to you. Um, how does it, how does the Emmy nomination, I'm sure it's meaningful to you, but do you, do you find that it is meaningful to you in a, in a career way? Do people answer the phone a little quicker because now you're the Emmy nominated? Jessica <laughs> Beale, producer, calling. You know what? I I think it does actually. I I think there's something there's something about it that I don't know. Maybe it's just like a little st like a stamp, like a seal of approval or or something. You know, to be recognized in the community in this way, that it sort of feels like the win has already happened. You know, just to be able to say that phrase, Emmy nominated, like. I think people listen. I think maybe it, you catch people's attention a little bit quicker. Well, there's a lot of TV out there and only so many slots. So again, you know, congratulations and it it first for the amazing work that you turned in. It's uh, I think a well deserved a well deserved recognition. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, you always seem to have a lot of fun in your semi-regular appearances on BoJack Horseman. <laughs> Tell me you're coming back. <laughs> I never know. It's so funny. Um, you just kind of wait around for the call where and then you randomly you get a call like hey you want to come back for an episode literally that's what it is and you go yes i'm right anytime i'm i'm here and um it's it's just a blast
that working on that show, it's such a strange experience in a way because, you know, I've never worked with any of the other actors. <laughs> I've done, I think, one table read over the phone because I wasn't in town. So I never have even really sat down at the table. So it's this very sort of odd isolated experience where you're in this booth but in the same moment it's it's terribly freeing because it's just your voice and you know the creators are so hilarious and they encourage you to just be insane and have fun and be self-deprecating and it's it's the best it's actually it's the best so i hope they call please call again the animated form is so perfect for that show because you just you know you just can't believe the things that come out of their mouth and the storylines and it's you can just get away with everything it's really a lot of fun it is um, I know that you, even before you were on Seventh Heaven, you were, a, you know, you were an act, an actor and model working on commercials and things like that. When you, if you can take your mind back to when you were just starting out, just starting to climb that ladder, did you ever think that you would be in the position that you are today, a producer, an Emmy-nominated actress, you know, somebody that can can make things happen for herself? I don't think so. You didn't envision that. I mean. I think I envisioned, I think I, you know, as a kid, you're like, I'm going to be a movie star, whatever that means. You know, <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to be a movie star and it's going to be amazing. And that, that word doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, when you're, when you're little, it, I think it kind of meant something. Um, but no, I had no real understanding of what like true success in this business means. Um, and once you've been a part of it for so long and you realize you know being a working actor is 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 success like you have done if you are working and you can continue to work that's it that's it right there it doesn't need to be anything bigger than that because it's such a challenging business and it's so fickle and it's it's tough you know it's a it's a brutal experience sometimes and i I, I don't think that you ever get to a place where you're just like living the high life and everything's coming to you and you, you never fear or stress about when the ne what next project is it going to be and is it going to be good and can I even do it? You know, I feel like, th I feel like those, those, those fears kind of stay forever. And I actually think it's a good thing. I think, I think it's a good thing to have that... Um, that slight doubt, which turns into, I can do this. Motivator. I'm going to do this, you know. And, and you know what? Maybe nobody's going to see it and it's going to be terrible, but I'm going to put myself out there because what am I going to do? Not do that and just sit around and, you know, not say that I tried. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled about where my career is at this point. But it, does it look the way I thought it was going to look when I was a kid? No, because as as, as a kid, I, I I probably was in my mind like so famous I never had to work again, and I just sat around and like hung out. You know, <laughs> it's much it, the reality is much different, and I think much better. It sounds boring to just be sitting around not doing anything. You know, and 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 just having everything handed to you. You you had to go out and make make things happen. Yeah, and I I I actually think. As hard as auditions are, and they are hard as hell, and awkward and strange, and they never get easier. But when you when you win something, 
you know, when you are, you put yourself out there and you've gone to the audition and you did the callback and you showed them at least this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is my version of it. This is, this is my vibe. Mm -hmm. There's a massive confidence in that when you step on set that first day that you've given a taste and you've even tried it on for size. I think a lot of times you have to look at auditions like, well, I'm auditioning you too. (laughs) I want to hear what your direction is going to be. I want to hear, well, and if you don't, if I know instinctively that this is the way that I can do it best and you don't choose that, then it's actually probably the good choice. You know, someone else will do it better for what you're looking for. So I think, I think that's a really, that's a really empowering thing too. Because sometimes when you've been offered something and you show up on set and you've never even, you've never even tried it on, it's, it's harder somehow. Words of wisdom, Jessica Beale. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak <laughs> with us. And congratulations on all your success. And we'll be looking for more projects from your company. We will deliver. Great. We will. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking with Regina King. And if you like this show, I'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know, too, who you want to hear from. What stars and producers should we invite on the show? Email us at podcasts at variety.com. See you next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.